The other day I was uh, taking a nap. I, I wasn't feeling well, and I was taking a nap, and it was kind of twilight, and uh, there wasn't very much uh, light in my bedroom. Uh, the shades were closed, and, uh, but I had saw a journal that I had written in uh, many years ago on my nightstand, and so I opened it up, and I wanted to read in it, and I, so I, I tried to look at the words, and, and uh, I don't know if you've ever been in this, uh, you know, some of you, it wasn't, it wasn't my eyes that I couldn't see, it was the light, it was just, I just could not read it was enough light, but there wasn't enough light. You know, it was just kind of all blurry. And I'm like, going, what did I write? And I stood there and I, I mean, I laid there and I tried to figure out what is this? You know, I mean, what did, what did I say here? You know, and I couldn't. And finally, you know what I did? I turned the light on. And boom, man, the words just popped out and I could read about it. And I read things from 2007 that I had written about. Things about our church, things about my own life, all the way up through 2009 and into 2016. And I was amazed at what the, some of the things that uh, God spoke and God did in my life. But it's, you know, it's simple but profound truth is that we need light to be able to see, right? Have you ever, you know, shut off the TV, uh, turned off the light, and then tried to get it to your bedroom? I mean, if it's really dark and... Boom, you hit the, you know, you hit some piece of furniture. Ah, you know, like you bang into things in the, in the night. You know, it, it's, it's very easy to do that. We need light. It's, it's just a simple truth. But it's also a metaphor for our spiritual life, isn't it? It's a metaphor for our spiritual life, and it's spoken about over and over and over again in the Scripture. In fact, if you look at the Apostle John... And how he writes the gospel in the first chapter, he says that Jesus is the light that has come into the world that lights every man's life. And he talks about this theme of light, and he talks about it over and over again throughout the gospel. And then when you get to this first letter that he writes, the, the Apostle John, the first letter that he writes, he also talks about light. And he talks about how we're to walk in the light of God's presence. And it is such a privilege. It is something that God calls each one of us to. And if we will walk in the light of his presence, we'll have the light of light. We'll have assurance. We'll have love. We'll have truth. We'll have direction for our lives. In fact, this is what uh, John says in um, chapter 8, verse 12 and 13. It's actually the declaration of Jesus, what he told his, uh, the people that were listening to him. When Jesus spoke again to the people, said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's the kind of light that we need, isn't it? We need the light of life. We need direction. We need God's direction, God's hand of protection over our lives. We need his forgiveness. We need his cleansing in our lives. And he promises those things to us. But you know what it also says in the Gospel of John in chapter 3? I don't have it up here, but in chapter 3, verse 19, after uh, Jesus, after the declaration that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that he, that he gave himself so that nobody could perish, but everybody could have eternal life. You know what it says right after that? Just a few verses, verse 13, chapter 3, verse 19. This is the verdict. 
Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. So John is telling us that there is this tension. We know we need light to be able to follow God, but there's also the darkness is kind of tempting towards us. We'd rather be in the darkness than be into the light in the presence of the Lord. And why is that? He says, everyone who does evil hates the light, does not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. You know what happens when we come into the presence of God, when we actually are honest before him? We begin to see how holy he is and how sinful we could be. And for some people, that just causes them to run away from God. But for those that the Spirit of God is living in you, it'll cause you to run closer to, towards God. Because he is a God who loves us, who forgives us, who wants to be at work in our lives. And actually, the light of his presence is one of the very best places to be. It's one of the very best places to be. But sometimes we choose darkness over light because we don't want anything to be exposed. And Because if God exposes it and he reveals something, then he's, he's doing it for a reason because he wants us to change. And it's hard to change, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to change. Sometimes it's hard to forgive somebody that God is telling you, you need to forgive that. You need to forgive that person. Let that thing go. We say, no, I'm not going to forgive them. So this tension that we live in, this place where God has called us to, today's message is really about, do you love to live in the light of his presence has God placed you, has put within you a love and a passion to be in his presence? Or are you in a place right now in your life where you're indifferent towards it? Or you're actually living in the darkness rather than the light of God? And I believe God, through his Holy Spirit, calls us back into the light. Well, how does he do that? And that's really what this message is about. So let's, let's go into it in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. It says this, This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not Live out the truth. That's very direct. Very, you know, John, he, he comes across very direct when he's saying, this is what light is, this is what darkness is, and this is what your soul needs. There's two things here that I see that the soul needs. One is that we need truth. We need God's truth because we're so easily deceive ourselves or are deceived by Satan into thinking that we don't need God. Or he tries to lie to us and say we're not good enough to follow God. And so we need truth. We need the truth of God's love, the truth of the gospel, in order to really be able to walk in the light. The other thing that we need is God's love. We need to be able to hear him say, 
I need to be able to hear him say, Al, I love you. I forgive you. I want to teach you something here in your life. So there needs to be an openness to that. Those two things are things that we need. But if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, that, that means something like if we claim to have fellowship with God and he tells us this is what I want you to do and then we don't do it, we're deceiving ourselves. We talked about that in Sunday school uh, just this morning. We're, we're deceived. We, we know that God has told us to do this, but we say, no, I don't want to do that. Or I'll do that later. And so we end up deceiving ourselves. So if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. It's impossible then to live out the truth because we're walking away from the light. Now, this, he's speaking to Christians here. He's speaking to you and I. It's very easy for us to fall into a place where we walk away from God's light and his love. You know what gets me sometimes? Sometimes it's my fears and my insecurities that keep me from the light of God's love. I don't know about you, but for sometimes I'm, I'm insecure about something and so I don't approach God. I think I can handle it myself. It's funny, you know, you think if you're insecure, wouldn't you want to be closer to God? But a lot of times it gets twisted in our mind and we actually think, you know, we get worried, we get fearful. And instead of coming to God, we run away from God. He says here in 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. A wonderful truth. If we walk in the light, but if we aren't led by our fears, our insecurities, and we walk in close fellowship with God and with others, there is a freedom that happens. There is a forgiveness that we can experience. There is a joy of being in his presence that is transforming in our lives. So what is it that keeps you and I maybe from God's, the light of God's presence or walking in the light of God's presence? What are some things? And I, I've, got a, I've got a list of them here. One of them is pride. It is self-reliance. It's thinking, I can live my life the way that I want to. Or, you know, even as Christians, some people have this idea that Okay, I received Christ into my life. I got baptized. So, okay, I got that covered. I'll just live my life the way I want to. I'll make the decisions I want to. I'll go to the places where I want to go. I'll do the things that I want to do. I got my salvation covered. I'll just do whatever I want to do. And that's so far from what God wants. He wants this fellowship with us. He wants a daily fellowship with us. And a lot of times, we're too busy. Do you ever talk to anybody say, how you doing? I'm busy. It's almost like a busy badge of honor. I'm so busy. I'm so, I'm so busy, busy, busy that I don't have any time for myself. I'm so busy that uh, I don't have any time for God. It's pride. 
It's self-reliance. Staying busy and so busy that we don't have time for God, that's just pride. And we fall into it. It's darkness. And we end up walking in the darkness rather than walking in the light of God's presence. It's a very subtle thing, but it's something that we get tripped up all the time. I know I do. I get too busy for God. I rely upon myself or past experiences. The other thing that this says is that we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So the other part of this is that it's not only a relationship with God that he wants to be at work in our lives, but there's also a relationship with other people. So the second part of the thing that keeps us from the light of God's presence is unforgiveness towards others. Holding a grudge, making a vow, I'm never going to talk to that person again. What happens? You know what John says later on? He says, you can't love God and hate your brother. You can't. He doesn't say, well, you know, maybe you can. No, he says you can't. It means that you don't love God. He's that strong about it. So unforgiveness towards others can keep us in the darkness. Unforgiveness towards others can keep us dull spiritually towards the things that God wants for us. You can't love God and hate your brother. You can't love God and hate your boss. You can't love God and hate your spouse or your parents. You can't love God and hate the person that offended you. You can't love God and say, I will never say I'm sorry to that person. You can't. It's, Jesus said, you just can't do that. But wait a second, I've been doing that. Well, you've been in the dark. You're deceiving yourself. And what God wants to do is bring something new and, and deeper in your life, the light of his presence. He says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us. That means he pulls out that anger, that bitterness, that indifference, the lack of compassion. He pulls it out and replaces it with his light and his love and his power and the Holy Spirit. And that's why a lot of people are not walking in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit because we're walking in darkness. We're walking in pride, self-reliance, unforgiveness towards others. The other thing that keeps us from the light of God's presence is unresolved shame and guilt over our own sins. Unresolved shame and guilt over, our old, over sins that we've committed. There's things in my life that I've done I am totally ashamed of. I mean, totally ashamed of in my life. I'm sure there's things in your life that you're totally ashamed of. But see, if you carry the shame into the presence of God, 
And God shines his light on it and says, I've forgiven you. I've cleansed you. And you say, no. You could never forgive me for that, Lord. You could, I'll never forgive myself. I'll never be forgiven of that. It's just too, it's too much. You could never forgive me, Lord. You know what you're doing? You're deceiving yourself. You're walking in darkness. You're loving the darkness more than the light and the truth of God's word. And I don't know, sometimes we just do that. Why do we do that? Because we don't think we deserve God's love. We don't think we deserve his forgiveness. So we carry this guilt of shame and guilt over our sins. And God wants us to be free of it. The other thing that we do is we get become really good at religious performance. What do I mean by that? I mean, we deal with the pride, the unforgiveness, the unresolved shame and guilt, and we become super Christians. We become the, the people that will serve the Lord. And what it is is we think if we're doing really good serving the Lord, then God will accept us. And if, we, if we're not doing so good, he doesn't accept us. And so we're basing, we're keeping score with God about our lifestyle. And Jesus had something to say about that. Because what can happen is we can, we can act like we've got everything all together, that our lives are all together, that God has forgiven us, that we're in good fellowship with him. But then there's these pockets and areas in our life where God, where we've kept it away from God. We've kept it a secret from other people. And we're living with some unresolved sin and secrets that nobody knows about. We know about it. God knows about it. But we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus talked about that with uh, the, the Pharisees. And this is what he said. This is what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Woe to you, teachers of the law. Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees. You look what he, this is this word. He calls them blind. See, when we're not living according to the truth, we become spiritually blind. We, we can't see the obstacles in our life, and we keep bumping into them over and over again. We keep hurting ourselves and hurting other people. First, clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. And what Jesus is challenging the Pharisees to do was don't just look like you're a believer, really open up the inside of your life. Open up the inside of your soul into the light of God's presence and allow him to do that deep work in your life and in your heart. I'll never forget when I first started ministry. I was an inner city missionary. You guys know that. But one of the things that I was doing was I was ministering to drug addicts and alcoholics and People and families that were struggling, children that were struggling in, in dysfunctional families. And I shared, and I, you know, I really loved 
every person that I came in contact with, there was, I really had a compassion for them. I really wanted to help them. And then one day, the Lord spoke to me, and he says, Al, what about your own father? Well, my father's an alcoholic. Why do you have so much compassion and every other alcoholic but your own father? Why do you have so much compassion on drug addicts but you are totally disgusted with your own father? Hit the mark. That's the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just a general guilt. It was a direct boom. And I said, Lord, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity to show my dad I love him. I guess, you know, I was so angry at him for drinking and causing my mother such turmoil. And I held on to that. And I, I was in the ministry. I was helping people get delivered out of drugs and alcohol. And yet, I couldn't deal with my own father. Pharisee. Hypocrite. Yeah. Why is it that we can have such compassion on other people at work? Or at school, and I can't stand my brother. Or I can't stand my parents. Or I can't stand my spouse. What, what is that? It's when we don't deal with the inside of the cup. We're only dealing with the outside. And God wants so much more. He wants us to deal with the inside, with the very depths of our heart. And oftentimes it's right in front of our face, but we, we don't see it. We keep on running into it. We keep on banging into it. And we wonder why I can't sense the presence of the Lord or my life isn't changing or God isn't answering my prayers. And it's because we're just going through the activity. We're not really in the presence of the Lord and allowing him to speak to us about those very specific things. And that's when we really grow. That's when we really grow in the Lord. You see, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So it's so easy to deceive. It's so easy for me to deceive myself. Is it, is it easy for you? I mean, I can just fool myself. I've come to see that. And one of the things that helps is if I'm in a small group with other people, an accountability group, or if, I'm, or if I talk things over with my mentor. And I say, this is, what, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with right now. Got any insight for me? But see, when I keep it to myself... When I don't want to tell anybody what I'm really struggling with, what's really going on in my life, I just let things lie and I deceive myself and I just go through the motions. 
of life. And nothing changes. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. You know, we're talking about um, one of the first questions in our Sunday school this morning was, when was the last time you applied 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins, he's faithful and just, and forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness? It's dead silence in the room. Nobody wants to confess their sin. We don't, we don't like to do that. You know, who, who wants to tell what they did wrong, how they offended God and other people in front of everybody? You know, who wants to do that? But you know, that in every revival that has ever taken place, any work of God, that's the very thing that happens. People just become open and honest and say, God, I've been a hypocrite. I haven't been following you like I should. And there's things that you've told me to do and I've ignored you and I want to follow you right now. And people, boom, they, they come up in public confession and just say, I want God more than anything else. And God revives them. I was reading a small book by Norman Grubb. It's called Continuous Revival, Living the Victorious Life. Only a little short book. But he said he went to Africa in 1950. And he saw there was a revival happening in Central Africa. And he said, what was it that kept the revival going for 15 years? You know what people did? They got in small groups. And they confessed their sin to one another. And they prayed for one another. They had continuous revival. <laughs> they had continuous. God just began to break free the things that were happening in their lives. They didn't keep any secrets, family secrets. They were just honest and said, this is what's happening in my life. My marriage is falling apart. I don't know what's going on. And God began to work and move. Continuous revival. When people hide, when they say, oh, how are you doing? Fine. Things are great. In actuality, I'm right on the edge of divorce. How are you doing? Fine. I'm doing okay. Just got a cancer diagnosis. Doing okay. I don't want anybody to know. I want to share. This is my problem. I'll handle it. Pride, self-reliance. Go down the list. You stay in the darkness. You stay in the dark. You can't get help. I don't know if you've been from a family that does that, but there's family patterns. We hid my dad's alcoholism till I was 40 years old. We never talked about it. My dad was an alcoholic for 20 years. We never talked about it as a family. We never spoke about it. Why? Shame, fear, anger, you name it. A lot of reasons. 
What happens in a family like that? You keep secrets. You don't get help. You become a Christian. And then you keep, still keep secrets. We think coming, becoming a Christian, all of a sudden, your life is dramatically changed. You're never going to have a problem again? No. Becoming a Christian, you begin to walk in the light as he is in the light. And he begins to cleanse you from all sin. He takes those roots by the root, those family sins, and he wants to pull them out and set you free. Pull them out by the root. Not just a little, yeah, I'm up fine. I'm really dying. I'm really struggling. I'm fine. No problem. See, the body of Christ, if we're going to be the body of Christ in this church, there's got to be some changes. We have to be honest with each other. We've got to hold each other up. Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, that means a shame-filled, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. It's, it, it, he's talking to believers here. He's talking to you and me. See to it that none of you has a sinful, shame-filled. You know, so many people walking around with shame, you know. Nobody can help me. Turning away from God. It's not that we're just not turning towards God. And God is calling us into a deeper fellowship, into his walking in the light of his presence. And we're just saying, no, I'll just rather stay at twilight here. Right in the gray area. I don't know what's going on. I can't, can't read any. I just, nothing's making sense right now. But this is where I feel comfortable. Because I've always lived my life here. And people never get into the light of God's presence. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened, hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When we don't deal with the truth of God, the things that he's doing in our lives, what happens? Our soul becomes hardened, hardened. That's why people don't care anymore. That's why there's apathy. That's why not being in the presence of God, it doesn't matter. I'm so used to it, I've gotten hardened to the things of God. And God is saying, no, don't stay there. And if you see somebody there, it says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you, none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. You know, there was two kings that were in the Old Testament, King Saul, and then you have King David. So you have King Saul, he was the bad king. We all know about King Saul. He was the guy that, you know, Samuel the prophet told him to, you know, kill everything and he didn't you know he he saved the sheep because the people people want the sheep and I'm going to save them I'm not going to sacrifice them and then 
he says, what does the Lord want? What, is he, what, is he, what would he rather have? Sacrifice or obedience? And the, the idea is obedience. He'd rather have you be obedient than to make a show religiously, outwardly. Well, King Saul, he says, King Saul asked the prophet Samuel, would you ask God to please forgive me? And he does. You know, Samuel says, okay, I'll pray for you, but there's consequences here. The kingdom's going to be torn from you. You're no longer going to be the king and eventually. But I'll, I'll pray for you. God forbid that I shouldn't pray for you. I will pray for you. And he goes, but can you do one more thing? Can you come with me to the elders and pray for me there? Can you, can you show everybody that I'm really okay? And after that, Samuel, I mean, uh, King Saul goes downhill. He gets further and further away from the presence of God. He's more concerned about what other people think about him than he is about what God thinks about him. And then you have David. Then David sins, right? And David, oh man, he, I mean, he sins big time. We're talking about adultery. We're talking about cover-up. We're talking about murder. We're talking big-time sin. He asked God to forgive him. God forgives him. I mean, he really repents of that sin. He sees how it's offended God. And then, you know what he does? He doesn't keep it a secret. He's confronted by Nathan the prophet, and then he tells everybody what happened. That's why we have it recorded. He, he's willing to tell it. He wrote two songs about it, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. Psalm 32, he says this. He says, when I kept silent about my sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. I mean, we've all felt that even this past week, right? If you've been outside doing any yard work, the, the summer heat will sap you of strength. But so will trying to hide your sin from God and not being open to him. And not confessing it to those around you that you can trust and love. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. I groaned all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. But then... Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. David had a completely different picture of forgiveness and public confession. He said, hey, I'm a sinner. I've done it. I mean, I mean, he repented. He suffered consequences for his sin. But he just said, yeah. And he was broken before the Lord. And as he was broken before the Lord, God healed him and helped him. So, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Isn't this a beautiful truth here? We all know that we've sinned. And the thing to do is not to hide our sin or cover it up or make excuses for it. But the very best thing to do would come before the Lord and just say, Lord, I've sinned. 
I need your forgiveness. I need to be delivered from this. I need to be cleansed from all unrighteousness because Jesus Christ died for me and I trust that his sacrifice on the cross is enough to forgive me. He's the atoning sacrifice. Verse 2, he's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. There's forgiveness in Christ. There's beautiful forgiveness in Christ. See, the cross, it's a symbol of shame. It's a symbol of somebody that was wounded and offended on the cross. Jesus Christ hung up there for you and I so that our sins could be forgiven. But why is it? Why is it that it's so hard sometimes for us to admit our sin before a holy God? Why is it so hard for us to apologize when we've done something wrong and offended somebody in our family? What keeps us in the darkness? And is that really the Holy Spirit? Or is that another spirit? Or is that our self or our pride that's keeping us from God's, from obeying God and asking for forgiveness or releasing somebody from the sin that they did against us? Max Licato tells, I'm going to close in this, and the last story I'm going to share today is uh, Max Licato tells a story about a man in China who was robbed and beaten up. And afterwards, for four years, he had these tremendous headaches, and he didn't know what was wrong. And so he went to see a doctor, and uh, he had suffered lacerations on his face and his jaw. But this had been years later. And what they did is they did an x-ray, a picture of his skull. And what they did is they found a four-inch blade embedded in his head that had broken off in the robbery. And there's no wonder why this man had tremendous headaches, but he didn't know that there was something embedded in his head until after he had the x-ray done. But isn't that the same thing that happens to us in our lives? Why is it that I'm having these, the situation that I'm having in my life right now? There's something wrong. I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong. Bring it into the light of God's presence. Bring it into the light of God's presence. Whatever you have to do, be ruthlessly honest with God and say, God, whatever it is, I want to be free of it. See what he says to you. And if he's specific, specific about a person, a sin, something from the past, that's the Holy Spirit. If there's just a general feeling of worthlessness, that you're no good, you're a failure, that's Satan. Okay, that's, that's false guilt. But if there's something specific that God is saying to you, this relationship that you need to deal with, a habit that you need to break, a situation in your life that, that God has put his finger on, that is the thing to bring before the Lord in the light of his presence and talk to him about and receive forgiveness and receive healing from him. So let's pray. As we go to the communion today, let's, uh, let's prepare our hearts for communion. Father, we thank you. We praise you for uh, your word to us today. 
Lord, we ask that we would walk in the light as you are in the light. That we'd have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus would cleanse us from all sin. Lord, we believe the blood of Jesus is enough to cleanse us from all sin. We believe you sent your son to die upon the cross to forgive us of our sin. And Lord, forgive us when we don't walk in the light, when we walk in twilight or darkness. We ask that we would walk in the light as you are in the light and your blood would cleanse us from all sin. Pray this in Jesus' name.